And now, it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza. Welcome into the College Basketball Bonanza on such a crucial day, the calm before the storm of the national championship game. I'm Nicholas Hodell with Dominic Stern and the third member of our team, Dom Contini, with me. And what a first off, just what a day Saturday was for the sport. Just, just absolutely brilliant basketball. We knew it going in, though. Like This Final Four slate was loaded with experience, loaded with talent, loaded with great coaches. Um, it was a great day for college basketball, specifically between Duke and UNC. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really what it came down to. And we, we didn't want to overlook the KU-Villanova game, and I don't think we did. Certainly a lot of other people possibly did, but that was a close game at one point late. And then Kane just started to pull away once Christian Braun hit that that three coming off the the off ball screen, mm-hmm. and from that point on, I mean Kansas. We talked about it on the show. Kansas just needed to stay in front of Villanova, and if they were going to do that, they were going to win because Villanova's not the best team at coming back. They're one of the best teams ever in holding leads because of the way that they play, slowing it down, controlling the play, and at the free and throw then line. at the free throw line, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, that, that, the start of that game just wasn't set up for for Villanova. Missing Justin Moore hurt a ton, and you can definitely see that. Throughout the game. Yeah, and let's keep this conversation rolling on the Villanova and Kansas game. Um, and, and, you know, some of these performances from the individual Kansas players are, were just terrific. Uh, particularly David McCormick, who really got going, had his best game of the NCAA tournament. Ojai Ajabi was really, really good with, with 21 points. Jalen Wilson had himself a nice double-double. And so you, you had some of these players perform like they should have been. They really didn't need them anymore. Like they needed the, him in previous games in this tournament because they had their stars performing the way you would expect them to. No, and if you listen to the show, I said Ochai Baji was going to have his best game in the tournament, and that's exactly what happened. His athleticism was too much for Villanova. And, I mean, the way that he shot the ball was absolutely incredible. Going 6-7 from the three-point line, that is incredible. And, I mean, that was the difference was his early threes when he started 4-4 from deep, that really propelled Kansas to that early lead when they were leading 24-11 to after 10. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, put your hearts out for some of these Villanova players who have really given their their hearts to to, uh, Villanova and, and, you know, getting to the big stage and then falling there. Uh, But Kansas just was the better team from start to finish, really. I mean, Villanova found their moments in getting back in that game. But really, it was was just just too much uh, for Villanova to handle uh, at the end of the day. And and ultimately, like, good teams are going to find a way to win these games at the Final Four. And that's what that's what Kansas did. I mean, you could say what you want about the road to the Final Four, uh, but Villanova is a darn good team, and they really put it to them, which mm-hmm. is really impressive. Yeah, it's, it really sucks that it had to end this way for Colin Gillespie and and crew. Um, Justin Moore being hurt, like I said earlier, hurt the Wildcats a ton. And I'm actually very excited. This is another side point, but I'm excited for one sunny moment. On Monday night, because that that scene of Gillespie with Jay Wright at the end of the game was very heartwarming. I yeah. Would say. So. Yeah. We will. Yeah. I mean, 
as excited as I am for that too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they got a whole bunch of that already cut. Exactly. Let's get to the the big game. Uh, not to discount one national semifinal, but clear that it was one that was bigger uh, than the other. It got six million more viewers than than the other one. We're talking, of course, the Duke and North Carolina. That's with just at home games too. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see where where the adjusted numbers go uh, on Tuesday. But what a game! Yeah. I mean, th- this this was the kind of game that I think everyone wanted and hoped for and envisioned. And met expectations for sure. Game, yeah. game of the year. Not even close. Yeah. I, I, there, sir, there is a big, big argument to make for that. And, and it's just the way that some of these uh, North Carolina players play. I mean, Kayla Love putting in all 40. Leaky Black putting in all, all 40. If Amardo's Baycott ankle didn't get sprained, he may have been very close to being up there. Uh, but some fantastic performances uh, for North Carolina, and also some for Duke. I mean, Paul Banchero, 20-10. and 10. I mean, mm-hmm. very good numbers for him uh, as well. I mean, Trevor Keels had 19, putting in a great shift off the bench. Yeah. So, I mean, this game was terrific in every sense, and it kind of came down the free throws down the stretch. Yeah, that, those two free throws, I feel bad for Mark Williams because they're going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, but if... If they were Villanova, yeah, maybe they would have won. But they're not Villanova, and they didn't shoot the free throws well at the end of the, end of the game. And UNC took advantage of that, especially due to a performance. Kale Love. Kale Love has been dominating this tournament as of late, uh, scoring 28 points yesterday. Um, North Carolina, they're a very fun team. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how well they match up against um, Kansas. We'll get into that later. But um, it was a great overall game. But like Nick said, it came down to free throws, and North Carolina made it one account. Yeah, it, this was fantastic. Unfortunately, I was really only able to catch the final minutes because I was broadcasting the baseball game, but I got to see it go back and forth at the very end. And that, I don't want to say it felt like that was all I needed to see, but you know, I saw the best part, and it was absolutely electric. Shout out to, to North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina has the ultimate trump card over Duke because, yeah, Duke's won national championships. You know, they're a fantastic program, all because of what Coach K did. But they were the last two teams to knock off Coach K at home and end his career. And they did so on the biggest stage. And Duke is nothing without Coach K at this point. He's built up the program to what it is. We'll see what it is with John Shire. I'd imagine it's still going to be one of the top programs. But Duke is always going to be remembered as Coach K's program, no matter Mm -hmm. what John Shire does. Unless if John Shire surpasses coach k which that would be awesome for college basketball yeah, yeah, yeah but north carolina will always be the team that ended coach k's career and they're their rival and they also ended his last game in, in cameron so north carolina has the ultimate trump card for as long as this rivalry exists and, yeah. and on th- that, th- it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this rivalry going forward on that point i mean i read this piece by jay billis for espn uh, talking about how Coach K and coaches like Coach K, Roy Williams, and great coaches that we've had in this game. Uh, I'll throw Bruce Weber in there as well. It's going to be interesting to see where college basketball goes, especially with the NIL now and then um, the transfer portal. It's changing. It's changing very quickly, and it's going to be very interesting where this sport goes in the coming years. Yeah, of course, we'll be spending weeks and weeks and weeks on the transfer portal after uh, the, well, after the tournament ends. Uh, but, but I mean, some of these performances, I mean, I, I feel like there are certain shots in this game that are going to be all-time shots in, in the history mm-hmm. of the North Carolina program. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the shots that Caleb Love made down the stretch in his free throws, I mean, 
He may have been three of ten from the line, from the, from the three point area in the game, but some of those free three three point makes are all time shots yep. in the history of the program. For sure. And that that was just he performed where it matter most. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's gonna be the guy that's going to be really remembered uh, out of this game. Yeah, it, it sucks that Baycock got hurt because he dominated eleven and twenty one. So yeah, and the, um, and let's talk about that a little bit. The fact that he still came back, like he shut that off so quick. Mm-hmm. I, and he was talking about like how mm-hmm. he wouldn't miss that for the world. Yeah. Right. No. No, I mean, wh- when you have worked your entire life to get to that moment, and you've worked so long, so many early mornings, so many late nights with these teammates, it's so hard to sit on that bench and sit there and watch. And that, that, that's why, of course, we feel bad for Justin Moore just pivoting right back to that. Uh, and Baycott said, you know what? Like, it hurts. It's going to affect how I'm playing, but... I'm going to be out there for my guys and for myself because I'd say in all likelihood he's going to – this will be his last college game on Monday. And if he were to sit on the bench, it would have been out of his control whether or not he comes back and plays another exactly. college game this season. So he put that in his control. He obviously wasn't as good in the last last couple of minutes because he was practically playing on one foot. But, I mean, he deserves all the credit in the world for going out there, not hurting his team, and fighting through it. On that point, I want to flip the conversation because on the, something that's the opposite of heart, I want to talk about how Duke did not shake hands at the oh, yeah. end of the game. Because I'm very adamant with getting rid of handshake lines completely because it doesn't happen in the NBA. I know in the tournament it's a little bit different because I like how in the NHL playoffs, that's the only time when they shake hands. But um, what Duke did yesterday, especially with that, with Coach, that being Coach K's last game and that's how... It, his Duke team is remembered by just going straight to the locker room and that mm-hmm. congratulating North Carolina and especially of what North Carolina has done. You gotta respect that, even if they are your rival. So it was very interesting to see how this Duke team just did not shake hands with the Tar Heels. Yeah, and, and that, there's so many dynamics to uh, really, really the end of that game. And number one, you just lost your arch rival in yeah. the Final Four. Like, yeah. That that alone's not gonna make anyone <laughs> too a lot, happy. A lot of these kids' careers are over, but at the same point. There, I'm doing mental math here. There had been 61 or 62 other teams that had played in this exact same tournament and experienced the exact same thing that they just did, which was losing and their season's over. And every single other team shook the opposing team's hand except for Duke. And that's what it should be about. It's poor sportsmanship. And it shows, I don't want to say it shows a true character, but like, it's not a good look. And Duke's always had this reputation of being, being poor petty. losers. Being, being poor petty. losers. That's what yeah, it's yeah, been. Yeah. And it, it certainly doesn't help. That That's all I'm going to say. I'd agree. I'm not adamant, but I'd agree that the handshake line is really pointless at this level because these guys have invested everything in their lives to this sport. And for them to just go shake the opposing team's hands forcefully is kind of lame. Now, I mean, if you do it because you want to do it, by all means, cool. Well, yeah, like if you look at the NBA, players do shake hands at the end of games, but they really only shake the hands of the players that they want to shake hands with. Right. But, like, like we've seen instances, instances with Coach Juwan Howard. I mean, it's it's a problem that can be avoided if you just get a, get rid of it completely. Yes. But I do agree with the standpoint that it shows the integrity of the sport with great sportsmanship saying congratulations to their team. And yes, it was the arch rival, but I mean, you're on the biggest stage. You gotta be 
a good sport about it. Yeah, well, let's shift the conversation a little bit to, to the end of Coach K's mm. career, um, coming on the biggest stage. But just the his career, I mean, it, it, the story of this season was clearly his last year. Uh, there are no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about that. And the whole and the ride took us all the way to the Final Four, uh, which is so that should be commended in, in and of itself. Um, but really, just his entire career has been just phenomenal and, and great for college basketball. And the sport's going to miss him whether people love him or hate him or really hate him in the case of Big Cat. I'm, I mean... The, I'm, <laughs> I love Big Cat. Oh, my What gosh. he did all weekend was... Beautiful. It was, awesome. it was awesome. And I mean, if if I'll jump in <clears throat> off your point, college basketball is significantly better because of Duke and because of Coach K. Because, of course, like I mentioned, Coach yeah, K has exactly. built up Duke. And that's no matter what you agree about Coach K or not. Now, me personally, I do not like Coach K. I do not like him as well. Uh, I don't like the Duke program at all because they are a bunch of sore losers. Their <laughs> fan base are a bunch of sore losers. If you watch the 30 for 30 on I Hate Christian Leighton, you'll understand. Right, why. exactly. But, but it you have we hate them because of what they have done for the sport, and that's what makes sports fun. Exactly, there are villains in sports. In Duke, they are the Blue Devils, just like we're the Sun Devils. Obviously, less people hate Arizona State because we've done less things to hate people. But <laughs> people don't like Duke because they've done a lot of things that have made you hate them. And part of that is because they've won and they've built a fantastic program, have recruited a bunch of players, and are entertaining. And you have to thank Coach K for that. As much as I don't like him, I don't like his teams. Uh, People I don't always... like a lot of the players who have gone there. Mm-hmm. But what he did for the game was grow it exponentially. People are always going to like the underdog better than teams like Duke and like players like Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, it's the same way like with Duke. People are not, don't like him just because of how successful he was. So um, Coach K leaving is definitely, it's good. I don't know if it's going to hurt the sport. He's always going to be remembered. But especially with the type of generation that is coming in, I think it's kids that would never survive in a coaching staff like Coach K's. I'm just, that's just my opinion. Yeah, and obviously the the new the new coaching staff have a lot of work to do. But I mean, you look at the recruiting ranks of Duke. I mean, it seems that they're going to be in a good position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but again, back back to what Coach K has done. I mean, it's. There's there seemingly there never really was an off year for Duke uh, under Coach K. Like it seemed like as long as Coach K was there, Duke was in the mix. Whether it was for a national championship or the bare minimum an ACC championship, this team was in the mix, and this team was at a at a great level. And, and it's also why some of the great upsets uh, are are against Duke as well. Like you remember certain mid majors because they upset Duke. Yeah, Mercer. Mercer, Lehigh. Yeah, Lehigh, of course, with uh, C.J. McCollum. Yeah. South Carolina upsetting them and going to the Final Four. Yeah. And speaking of South Carolina, they just won the national championship for women's basketball. Congrats. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Good for them. That, was that Don Staley's first? I know it was their second championship appearance. Uh, I'm not sure. Either way, good but for them. Yeah. Congratulations. Down goes them. UConn. My bracket will remain not in the in the top 70th percentile <laughs> pain. <laughs> um, but... but I mean, you guys are absolutely right about, you know, some of this stuff. Like, there is a reason why Duke is put in the same category of teams like the Lakers and the Yankees as the bandwagon teams. Yeah. Um, like, it's because of what Coach K has done for that program. For sure. And putting them at the top of the map. And, and there's a reason why Cameron Indoor Stadium has turned into one of the most treasured venues in our sport and one of, one of the most 
of biggest places to fear in the sport. Like, when you go to Kevin Indoor Stadium, chances are there's going to be a raucous crowd in there and a, a very good opponent, and it's it makes a good combination of a place to fear. That's all because of Coach K. The, the caliber of talent that he was able to bring in and recruit and just where that talent is now between the coaching ranks in college basketball, the NBA ranks, so much of what Coach K has done is so much with influence is all across the sport of basketball, college and NBA. So much of the influence is because of Coach K. Yeah. Like, all those guys, you know, on the coaching side, the playing side, they, they went through um, Coach K. And even, and even with the NBA players at the Olympic level with, with Coach K's Olympic teams. Like, what, whatever Coach K did, he meant so much for Coaching Team USA, coaching Duke, this guy meant a ton. And whether you love love him or hate him, you have to respect it. Yeah, but I, I don't really agree with the USA standpoint because like anyone coaching those teams would have gotten a gold medal. So, but <laughs> I mean that's what Coach K has been known for, and he did a great job with those teams. But I don't think it's holds that great of a standard because of the teams the USA had. Um, but I'm not sure if you guys seen the fact sheet Big Cat made. For oh handing it out to Duke fans yeah. of Coach K. Oh my gosh! But his his five points are him being a sore loser, um, seeking out opponents to tell them how great they played so the media will suck. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> right. Great great winner. Fantastic yeah. winner. And but, you know, I mean, you deserve some credit for that. Uh huh. But like he, he also says, Coach K doesn't care about money because he turned down the Lakers job in 2004, but then went to go sign the biggest contract ever with Duke. But, like, he always have said he doesn't care about money, but he does care about winning. Also, what I love is when CBS was saying, Coach, had Coach K saying how they only have national championship banners in uh, Cameron Indoor, but then CBS shows a banner of Coach K, a banner inside Cameron Indoor that said Coach K has the most wins. But they were just saying how there's only championship banners. But I would say Coach K is very self-centered, but that's just me. 100% is. And... <laughs> There's nothing wrong. I mean, if if I was the greatest head coach in the sports <laughs> history, I would make sure it's known, and I would make sure that people recognize me as that. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame him. But I mean, it's once again something to acknowledge. But <laughs> once again, nothing wrong with that. Exactly. And him respect him, to him. It was really funny him saying it's not about me post game, when it had been so clearly about him all year <laughs> was pretty <laughs> ironic. It was but, funny before every tournament game too. Like every tweet CBS has. Oh, Coach K has arrived. I'm like, no, and, who cares? And Jeff Goodman did. Uh, I, I almost unfollowed Jeff Goodman because he was just every five minutes was a video or a photo or an update about Coach K. And, like, you have to know nobody really cares that much except for Duke fans. And if Duke fans wanted to care about that, they would follow the Duke beat reporters or, like, Duke fan pages. But those people cared about the team and this team winning the national championship. And it's kind of unfortunate that these players had to deal with the spotlight all year. Yeah, you could say it was also cool that they had way more attention than they would have had previously. But, I mean, for if I was a college kid, 19 years old, 20 years old or whatnot, playing for a chance to win a championship, I'd want everyone to focus on myself and not my coach, who has been here and done that several times. And it's obviously a credit to what Coach K has Mm -hmm. done that they're doing that, but... It, it got beat down. It got annoying, and I'm glad they lost. I'm glad they lost to their rival. I'm glad that Coach K got to cut down the nets one more time. I think that's cool. 
He didn't get to do it against my dad's Hokies, but he got to do it. Uh, CBS I, definitely shed a tear too, seeing Duke lose just because of well, the, T- TBS. T- Monday's on TBS too. Yeah. Wow. CBS okay. Turner, you know they think <laughs> it's a combined contract. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they share the announcers and and whatnot. Well, I mean CBS gets the good games. Like CBS got their choice for the first week. Yeah. And then TBS has gotten their choice for this, but CBS has the Masters and whatnot. I mean. This is probably gonna be the most watched Masters of all time this upcoming week. Just like this game was one of the most watched games of all time this week on TBS. So, I like CBS is complaining. No, I don't think anyone's complaining whatsoever with that uh, deal. Maybe except with the exception of Duke fans. Um, <laughs> but, but no one cares about that. <laughs> but to focus now on the national championship game between Kansas and North Carolina on Monday at the super late time of 9.20 p.m. Eastern Time. And my piece of life advice, get someone that loves you as much as college football and basketball loves late Monday night title games. I don't understand it. I've never understand it. I mean, like, the Super Bowl has done it so well every year. And everyone, every sport needs to look at the Super Bowl and say, 6.30 on a Sunday, how beautiful that is. Because 9 o'clock on a Monday night, especially for... Well, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Here, it doesn't really matter. But I grew up in the East Coast every year. And having to watch, like, for example, 2014, when Ohio State won the National Championship in college football, having to watch that game and still go to school the next day was annoying. Yeah, no one forced you to go to school the next day, except your parents. Well, I went to school late. I went to school late. I'll give you that much. Right. No, but, uh, (laughs) I mean, they do it so that more West Coast people can watch it. But, I mean, it's a game between Kansas and North Carolina. The, the West Coast people don't have... But why have it on a Monday? Why not have it on a Saturday or Sunday? It's a great question. Yeah. Well, well, to, well, to I don't want to disregard that debate, but I want to move on to some of the matchups yeah, yeah. within this game. And, and I want to start with, with the backcourt uh, between these two teams. Because uh, I, I think we're going to have a fantastic matchup of what, what has been a couple of very stellar backcourts, particularly over the course of the, of the NCAA tournament. Um between guys like Ojai Ajabi in the starting rotation and guys like Remy Martin on the bench for, for Kansas and, and and guys like Caleb Love, what R.J. Davis being able to do for North Carolina. I mean, both sides of this matchup are brilliant. Uh, I think the backcourt matchup and the frontcourt matchup are pretty equal, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I really like this backcourt matchup quite a bit because it's a matchup of uh, an Ojai Ajabi who has really gotten going uh, here in, in New Orleans. Uh, against Caleb, who's been doing this the entire tournament. And it's, it's, it's kind of a theme, uh, but I think the matchup between those two players is going to be so critical. Um, again, not saying that Juwan Harris and Christian Braun are not going to be very critical, but I think Ojabi versus Love is, uh, in the backcourt, the critical one. Yeah. Well, Baycott, depending on how healthy it is, and McCormick is very going to be very critical, too. Absolutely. We'll talk but, about the well, frontcourt in a yeah, bit. Yeah, but in the backcourt, the matchup between... Uh, Abaji and um, Caleb Love, that's going to be uh, musty television. So, Yeah, I mean, I mean, these two teams have been backcourt-driven uh, throughout the year, and they have guys who can play wings, can switch between playing the two and the three. Like, Abaji is also kind of more of a forward. Wilson's also got a forward build. Brady Mannick's got a forward build. But they play the guard because that's the way that college basketball has shifted. So... It's it's going to be an interesting matchup because it's all about defense. Both these teams uh, are highlighted by their offense, but their defenses have what really have improved over late in the tournament compared to what they were looking like uh, before the tournament. So 
uh, whichever team's defense can stand up, uh, I think would be awesome. Free throw shooting is going to be critical in this game too. Yeah, that, that is something I would definitely agree with 100%. And it seems like the guards, I mean, they they did it, they pretty did it pretty decently well. Both Love and Ajabi were free, uh, three of four from the line uh, in the semifinal. So they're going to have that uh, with them as well. Uh, in the semifinals in particular, the shooting difference quite massive with Ujabi shooting exclusively uh, threes in the semifinal. With, and Caleb Love, half his shots were, were, from, were from three. Um, not very successful for Love, unlike Ajabi, uh, which I actually think might make a big difference. Uh, I mean, the, the three... I mean, Sure, North Carolina has more guys to take that three with, and we'll talk about that here in, in, a, in a little bit in this program. But between Ajabi, I mean, Christian Braun hit some big shots. Dewan Harris made, made three of five from three. Like, it really does seem like if Kansas really gets things going from three with that backcourt, that, that it may be very difficult uh, to stop if you're North Carolina, despite the success you've had with some of you guys as well from three. Mm-hmm. Three-point shooting is going to be very crucial in this game. I mean, North Carolina going 10 of 26 against Duke. They've certainly been an impressive three-point shooting team throughout this year, uh, shooting 36.2%. So, I mean, that's right along where they were, they were shooting in this past game. And then Kansas, who has been a very stout three-point shooting team as well, 36.1%. So, right there, these two teams are very evenly matched from the three-point line. And Kansas was super impressive against Villanova going 13 of 24. And, of course, that was highlighted by uh, Akbaji uh, going 6 of 7 from the three-point line and then also getting uh, stout performances. You know, no, no one on this team shot below 33% from three. And, I mean, I think that's super impressive. Remy Martin just 1 of 3. Dewan Harris 60%, 3 of 5. And Braun and Wilson each were 33%, 1 of 3, and then 2 of 6. And then I've got uh, Ochai at 6 of 7. So, if these teams can get open looks at three, uh, you know it's going to be. It could come down to whoever makes the most or whoever makes the higher percentage. Because you know Caleb Love's going to chuck up some threes. I mean, as good of a game as he had, he went eight of ten from inside the arc. He went three of ten from behind the arc. And Nick, like you mentioned, some of those threes were at the most crucial times and just absolutely amazing shots that made maybe made people like think that he's a better three point shooter than he actually is. He's been a fantastic one this tournament, but he did just go 3 of 10 from 3 against Duke in this game. So just just watch out for that in case Caleb Love uh, gets a little ball happy, uh, <laughs> gets some heat check shots in there. Yeah, and uh, as far as the influence of, of Remy Martin uh, in the backcourt from the bench, did, Kansas did not necessarily need him in the national semifinal, uh, but he can be incredibly dangerous. And against a North Carolina team that doesn't go to the bench too often, that that also could be another very crucial element to this championship game. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what uh, Coach Davis for North Carolina does, uh, how he has a game plan set for this game, because like you said, Nick, Kansas' depth is uncomparable to North Carolina's. So um, they do play around at the same tempo, so that's not going to be that big of an issue, but especially due to maybe a hobbled ankle for Baycott, um, that's going to be interesting to see how deep they go in this game. Yeah, and North Carolina, I mean, they I mean, they only had three other guys besides their starters play for a combined 13 minutes. So, And and, and not to say that Kansas was any better. I mean, they only had two guys carry the loaf of the bench until garbage time really came in and kind of influenced it quite a bit. But between Remy Martin and Mitch Lightfoot, 
31 combined minutes, and and everyone else that came off the bench were garbage time guys. So it's not. I mean, they're pretty solidly equal on, on that footing as well. And so, I mean, what what the guys at the bench are going to do are going to be crucial. And as far as the, the bench guys go, well, I mean, we're going to talk about that much more in depth later on. But Brandon Martin's in, in, inclusion into that backcourt, if he is on, that's so dangerous. Well, and I think part of the reason why Dewan Harris played 30 minutes and Remy Martin just played 21 is the fact that going up against a very talented guard in Colin Gillespie, Dewan Harris's strength is his defense. And obviously he's a good uh, ball distributor as well as he was able to get four assists in this game. But... What he does primarily is he plays defense. And going up against Villanova team without Justin Moore, who's their second-best offensive player, and you've got Gillespie, they were able to really just limit him, limit him getting shots up. Yeah, I mean, Gillespie had a great game, 17 points. Uh, did have no assists and two turnovers, but uh, I think that's what you look at. Dewan Harris was really just limiting the ball, getting into Gillespie's hands. And it'll be interesting to see if Bill Self's going to try and do that same thing with Love, knowing that Love can pull up from anywhere, he can also beat you to the hoop from anywhere, that's something that Gillespie doesn't really have as much because Gillespie's the much smarter player. It's not even comparable. But it's also not comparable between Gillespie and Caleb Love is Love's athleticism. I mean, Love is so far more athletic than Gillespie, and that's going to be a fun matchup between Dewan Harris, and I think Remy's going to play a couple more minutes on Monday because, of course, going from Sunday to Saturday, you get that time off, so your starters are going to be more rested. But when you just have that one day off, you're going to probably rely on your bench a little bit more. And I think that's where you're going to see, just getting a little bit into it, uh, Yesifu and Coleman Lands, uh, they're, they're lower reserve guards. They're going to play a little bit more, and both those guys have high potential shooting the basketball. Yeah, and that, and that might be where we see some unstone heroes as well. It seems like every championship game pretty much requires at least one unsung hero to really step up. Coleman Land shoots 45% from three. Yeah, there you go. That might be a big one uh, to watch. Uh, let's move on to the front court. And we, we kind of mentioned this uh, earlier on, David McCormick versus Armando Baycott. And this is something that I discussed earlier this afternoon on the Bonanza's TikTok page uh, at College Bonanza. You can follow us over there some good short-form content. Uh, but this, this is exactly the kind of matchup that I'm looking forward to. McStayo McCormick, pretty modest NCAA tournament leading up into New Orleans until the, the semifinal of 25-9. and nine. Armando Baycott's been doing this whole rebounding thing the entire tournament, and he's just been continuing to peak and peak yeah. uh, as time goes along now. It's second consecutive game with over 20 rebounds. Mm -hmm. And you know he's going to be a big threat, strained ankle or not. Uh, it's just how much of, of a problem that ankle is, it's going to really determine how this game goes. I still think Amaro Baycott's going to be a rebounding machine. Yeah. It's going to be to what point? Because both what I like about both these bigs, they know their roles. No three-pointers in the tournament for either of these men. Yep. That shows me that not only are you establishing your presence inside, but you're smart. You don't go outside and take stupid threes. Yep. I don't know how many guys I've seen um, that think they can just go out there and take the three, and, they, and it's like, oh, shoot, I can't do it. And they continue to do it. Like, it's like, what? What? No. Like, and these guys get it. They understand their roles, and they understand that, look, we have other guys that, that can do this. Uh, particularly in the, in the forwards, Brady Manic is one of those guys uh, as well. 
Uh, and so I, I just really like what Baycott and McCormick um, are, are able to do, but what's your take on this particular matchup? Uh, I mean, like what Dom touched on earlier with uh, Baycott having a lot of heart um, and what you said with uh, Baycott being really smart and knowing his role, I think Baycott... I've said this before on this show, too. I think Baycott is the best big man in the country. I know we have Oscar Sweetway, who's also great as well. But the way Baycott can dominate the glass and still get things going on offense by knowing his role and playing through um, the scheme that North Carolina plays in, um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what this ankle does to Baycott. But if he's even at 90 85%, I think he will play very well. But Cormick... Um, I know, like Nick said, he has had a very modest tournament up until Saturday. Saturday he uh, put on a show. So um, these two guys are at their best right now. And, well, at their best uh, with an asterisk for Baycott with his ankle. But uh, this matchup is very intriguing. Yeah, both these guys, they specialize in getting rebounds. And obviously that wasn't the case for McCormick as he absolutely dominated scoring-wise against Villanova. Still put up nine rebounds, which was a tournament high for him. But... That's what these guys do. They're the team's best rebounders. It's not particularly close. Jalen Wilson can also get rebounds for, for Kansas. I mean, that's that's the strength that he brings to the team and also being a stretch forward who can get to the hoop. But I think when it comes down to Baycott with this ankle injury, no one's going to deny his skills when he's healthy. We don't know what the recovery process has been like for him trying to get ready for this game. It's all going to be mental and getting playing ahead of the game and playing ahead of McCormack so that he can get in position. Because, I mean, let's be real. He's not going to be able to jump as high. He's not going to be able to run as fast. Like, we, we know that to an extent. But if he can just get position uh, and he can keep his feet on the ground, he's not going to have to jump as far for things. That's going to bode well for him, or at least as well as possible with him trying to get rebounds. Because when you box out, I mean, that's really about just your lower body strength and making sure that your arms aren't going high and they're, they're getting low and getting people at the hips. But... If he can do that, it won't be a huge problem because UNC doesn't need him to score that much. I mean, we talked about it. Only had, or I say only, only had 11 points uh, against Duke in this game, but his presence was felt by getting those rebounds. So if he can just get rebounds and you know be a be a presence and keep McCormick down low. That's what really is going to matter for UNC. Yeah, and with the pace of these teams, I got a feeling someone's going to put up a historic rebounding performance, uh, and. The favorite may be Baycott with that ankle. I mean, you just don't know how it's going to affect him. And and if it is even a, a mild inhibitor, that that can change the whole complexion of this front court matchup. I mean, if that ankle is pretty much good to go, I mean, Baycott's going to do his thing regardless, uh, I feel like. Um, we'll see it how, how much of that um, really can be the case. But it's just kind of proven that he is there uh, with the, what has, he's been able to to do there. Uh, and and Jalen Wilson, I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, he had 12 boards in the semifinal. Had 11 against Miami, 11 against Providence, 14 against Creighton. So he's having a really good tournament. Not necessarily scoring-wise, although he's been in double figures in four out of the five games, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Wilson is the game's leading rebounder yeah. over both Baycott and McCormick. Yeah, and ba Baycott rebound numbers from the tournament just for reference in the first round 10, second round 16, Sweet 16, 15, the late 22, and Final Four 21. Yeah. So it seems like they're both sort of rebounding at the right times uh, in this tournament. They've both been pretty darn prolific, and that's going to be a key, key part of this. And, and I mentioned Brady Manic earlier. I feel like this tournament 
this guy has been terrific. And he just he just knows when to take that three. And it's either going to lose every three he takes, you just have a feeling it's going to go down. And that's dangerous. It's so dangerous. Like, he, he is that stretch forward that you can trust him beyond the arc. And, and, I, and I feel that that's key to this game, is having that stretch forward where you are confident with him taking that three ball. Mm-hmm. Well, we've mentioned it. Both these teams have those stretch forwards. Christian, ba- Christian Braun plays like that for Kansas. Jalen Wilson can also play that for Kansas. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot's more of just a traditional forward. But then when you look at it for North Carolina, Brady Manick is that guy, and he's been so impressive. And it was looking a little bleak for him for a while at UNC, and then, I mean, it really turned around once UNC started winning after they lost that game to Pittsburgh. I mean, who would have thought? But, I mean, his last several three-point shooting percent or three-point games have been tremendous. He went 1 of 7 against Pittsburgh. He also went 0 of 5 against Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament, which those are their last two losses since then. 2 of 4, 3 of 9, 2 of 5, 3 of 6, 5 of 10, 3 of 7, 5 of 10, 4 of 8, 3 of 10, 4 of 6, 3 of 6. So he's been utterly dominant. Shooting at a 50% clip is very impressive. And I want to touch on this a little bit more. To see where this North Carolina team has come from in the last month is ridiculous. Um, Because, like, literally three, four weeks ago, we were talking about if they're in the tournament or not. And now they're playing on a Monday night, the biggest stage in college basketball, national championship. So... Props to them, and there's a ton of great matchups in this game, so I'm very I'm looking forward to this game a ton. Um, and if Coach Hubert Davis is able to do this in his first year, it's going to be one great story for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to discuss Mitch Lightfoot a little bit. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, sure, we'll we'll get to the whole bench situation and, and the coaching in, in just a few minutes. Uh, but what do you guys think Mitch Lightfoot will will bring to this game uh, from? From a pretty decent minutes complexion into Kansas's front court, what do you think he'll bring to the table? Well, I mean, Mitch Lightfoot, you got to start with. He's not the most talented player, but he's at Kansas. He 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 started there, not as a scholarship player, earned his way to that, and he's just been a dependable guy that you could pass the ball to, and you can hope that he's not going to turn the ball over. Now he had a pretty rough game against Villanova. Didn't really do much. Only two points. I uh, had a turnover. Dropped the ball a couple of times, but you know. He's a guy that you can trust to be in good position. Ended up getting four rebounds in those 10 minutes. I mean, that's pretty solid. And you can depend on him to play defense on a three or four or five. And I don't think it's any much more than that. He'll probably get around 12, 13, 14 minutes in this game. And if he just goes in there and doesn't, you know, fumble the bag, I mean, I think Kansas is going to be happy with that. For sure. Uh, Funny joke about Mitch Lightfoot, you know, April Fool's Day. Teams were finding April Fool's oh, jokes. Oh, I Can- remember this. Kansas oh, posted like a... Some people were so baited by this. A, a graphic that said like, Lightfoot's returning for his seventh year. And uh, people took it. And then he opened up and it said April Fool's. And it just like went over his like, career accolades. It was cool, but it was funny. Anyways, oh, back to actual So basketball. many people. Well, that's another thing, though, because Bill Self, it's, it's known that he trusts Mitch. And like Don was touching on... If Mitch just goes in there, does the job on defense, that's all they're asking for. And he's been able to do that in this tournament. He, he's very quiet on the offensive end, but he he gets the job done. And he's a Kansas legend, some would say, because how long he's been there. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go ahead and move on to, um, I mean, it seems pretty clear that Kansas kind of has that bench battle uh, a pretty much a one. Uh, I mean, o- only one guy from North Carolina really had somewhat significant minutes. That was Puff Johnson with with nine minutes, only getting 
a couple of knocked down a pair of free throws, which again, in a close game, that's crucial, and had a couple rebounds, so not, he didn't necessarily do nothing there on the, on the floor of New Orleans, but not the uh, prototypical uh, bench player who could come in and really change a game, though. Really, who knows? I mean, I mean, Puff Johnson can go out there and make me eat my words, so he just never really know, but he's not necessarily a, a huge part of this equation is what I'm really trying to say there, unlike a guy like Remy Martin who can really just go out and change the course of the game. No, and I mean, we, we've seen the way that North Carolina trusts their bench. I mean, the, North Carolina calls these guys the formidable five. Caleb Love, Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, Brady Manick, and Leaky Black. I mean, Brady Manick started only 26 games. The other guys have combined, come off the bench one time this year, and that was Caleb Love, who in the 38 games this year started 37 times. So that, that's what it comes down to. But Puff Johnson has uh, played in 23 of these games. He doesn't really do that much that well. He's been 13 of 18 from the free throw line, to your point, Nick. And he's been dependable when he gets the ball and he's asked to score, shooting 62% from inside the three-point line. So that, that, that's what it comes down to. But uh, the game against Baylor, Justin McCoy came in, and it was it was quite ugly. I mean, he did put up two points in 10 minutes. Of course, these minutes were down the stretch. And then uh, in overtime, but he turned the ball over three times, and Baylor was hounding him with, with the press. So... If KU can put North Carolina in foul trouble and you're going to start to see McCoy come in, you're going to see Puff Johnson playing a couple more minutes. Puff Johnson, of course, the younger brother of NBA player now Cam Johnson, uh, who, of course, played at North Carolina. But uh, the North Carolina doesn't trust these guys a whole lot. Yeah, and I will say this too. Like, you know, Puff Johnson and also Justin McCoy, like, they have a pretty decent clip of free throws to go off of, and they're, and they're both shooting over 70%. Now, it's not as much as some, as a guy like Armando Baker was taking over 200 free throws, Caleb up over 150 free throws, and RJ Davis over 120 free throws. Uh, but both these guys have better free throw percentages than Brady Manick, and Manick has a pretty decent clip of free throws to go off of. So, late in, like, late in the game, like if you want to go out there and sort of take that chance and try to get another free throw shooter out there, like we, we might see those type of guys, and Puff Johnson proved he can knock a couple down in the biggest of stages. So, it wouldn't shock me to see you know, either Johnson or McCoy out there get some serious minutes trying to get some free throws out of them. It wouldn't shock me. No, I mean, they're going to have to play, like I mentioned. The the one day off in between games is a tough turnaround, and you don't see that a ton in ACC play. You mostly see that Saturday into Monday uh, instead of the typical Thursday into Saturday that you'll see out of like the Pac-12, for example, but I mean, when it turns around like that, the bodies, they have some fatigue. These, it, The full season is now under these guys' belt, and the North Carolina starting five, or the formidable five, as they call them, deserves an immense amount of credit, not only for just being really the five guys that primarily play, but also for doing that and doing it well and getting their team into the championship. So, you want to say something about that no, real quick? No, that was perfectly said. All right. So, um, so really the whole point of this segment is now the, the coaching. Uh, really, Bill Self and his staff versus Hubert Davis and his staff. And, you know, about a month ago, this would have been a, a very clear-cut answer to me, but I think what Hubert Davis has done with this team over the last month has been incredibly impressive. Yeah. Like, it's it's almost like this team has, I mean, they've really gone through the growing pain, and so did Hubert Davis. I mean, he's a first, I mean, he's a first-year head coach. Like, all first-year head coaches are going to go through growing pains. But what he did in this last month, get these guys to just gel and play their best basketball at the right time. Yep. Like, this is what good coaches do. For sure. And it's clear that Hubert Davis has that if factor that allows him to 
take a group of guys who are struggling and really get them to gel together and play their best basketball at the right time. Yeah, and they've all come around Coach Davis as well. Like it's, it's very easy to see that all these guys have great relationships with Coach Davis, and I've loved how Coach Roy Williams has been at all these games too, celebrating with most of his guys. Because literally none of these guys are Coach. I mean, he was an assistant coach, but um, it's crazy because first year coaches. I know he took part of he he joined a program or he became a head coach of a program that was already had had good players. Um, so it's a little bit different in his case, but being able to have a team gel that quickly in the months in the months of February and March is not easy to do. So props to him, and I mean if he gets it done tomorrow night, he's, his career is off to a, a great start. Yeah, I mean. It- can't really go off to a better start, especially considering all the North Carolina fans and just college basketball fans that were questioning his ability to lead this team and lead this program. But, I mean, almost all these guys were recruited or helped were helped recruited by Hubert Davis to go along with Roy Williams. So these guys had the relationship. It wasn't like he was just brought in to be the head coach of North Carolina. He was promoted to the head coach of North Carolina. Obviously was a great player for this program too. He's one of just two college basketball coaches to play and coach in a Final Four for their school. And, I mean, it's impressive. I forget who the other coach was. Obviously, it was a long time ago. And it just kind of speaks to what Hubert Davis has been able to do. He, he's taken these players under their wing. He hasn't given up on them. He figured out. It took him a little bit. And, I mean, I think that's what we need to see a little bit more with college basketball is these players need to not give up on their coaches, not give up on their teammates when they're in new situations, and especially in this era of the transfer portal. And North Carolina is a great example of that because they were a bubble team after they lost to Pitt. And that's not putting it lightly. They were on the bubble. They absolutely went on a tear after that. They got an eight seed and they got a favorable draw. You know, sometimes it just takes getting lucky like that, getting that favorable draw once you get into the NCAA tournament. So you get in, you have a shot and credit to them. They have absolutely seized the opportunity. So with that being said about what Kira Davis is doing, I mean, I mean, the Cavs can easily say, well, you know, Bill Self done this all the time, and Hubert Davis in his first year. I mean, you can't discredit what Davis has done. So with that being put aside, from the coaching standpoint of this national championship matchup, where do we think the difference is going to be between Davis and his staff versus Self and his staff in a coaching battle? Rotations in this game will be very key. It's going to be, like, it might decide how this game goes because... The way these teams are shaped up with their depth and where their star players are at with the backcourt and frontcourt, um, foul trouble and rotations, what Coach Self and Coach Davis can do in those situations will decide who wins this game, in my opinion. Right. And, it, and it's not something, to go off the point of the foul trouble, it's not something we saw really in the semifinal. I mean, yeah. Kansas only had eight fouls as a team. And Baycott fouled fouled out, fouled out though. So yeah, yeah, he fouled out. I thought they were great performing. R.J. Davis had four. A couple others had three. Uh So maybe we see a balance of that, and and maybe it doesn't quite matter as much. But if if this kind of gets to be a chippy game, you may absolutely right. I mean, the rotations are going to be really challenged in this game, and. Based off what we have seen in the semifinals, that might be a critical part of this from a coaching standpoint is how the rotations end up happening. Right, and we haven't seen the last couple of games North Carolina play against a team that plays with the tempo that Kansas does. They're 65th in adjusted tempo 
according to Ken Palm. But they play and, around the same tempo, though. Both teams. Do. Yeah, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. They haven't played a team that plays like yeah, yeah, yeah. Kansas does. Now, mm-hmm. North Carolina plays at that fast tempo. They're 40th. Uh, the team that played at the fast tempo was Marquette. They absolutely dominated them. So, I mean, that's something that's going to be fun to watch because Baylor, 163rd. UCLA, 277th. Uh, Duke, that they just played, 172. And then St. Peter's plays extremely slow because <laughs> they suck at scoring. And they, they have say, Doug. Right, yeah, no, I mean, credit to St. Peter's, but they played a really slow style. So after playing four straight games at a really slow or at a slower pace than they would like, let's see if they can kick up the engines and with that formidable five, if they're going to be able to play as many minutes running up and down the court a little bit more than they had been previously. Yeah, and and, and, the, and if this thing gets close late, I mean, that might be a critical factor of, you know, who's self going to put in late in, in a game to try and get some free throws. Uh in, in the basket, who's North Carolina going to put in late in games? Are they going to go to their bench for, for that kind of situation? And it, it's going to be, if this thing gets closer, I would hope it does. Man, I hope this thing's not a blowout after what we've seen in this tournament. Gosh, a blowout in the title game would just be a huge Debbie Downer. Uh, but should this thing get close late, I think that will be a, a huge factor uh, in that regard. In late game situations, um, you know, get, taking experience out of it, we know there's a huge gap there. Uh, who would you? Which coach would you trust more in a in a late game situation to try and, you know, get get back into the game, take the lead, protect the lead? Who would you trust more? Hubert Davis. Oh, I would trust Bill Self. I I mean, like Kansas is. There's been instances where they've choked, and I mean, I think with the players that North Carolina has, I think, and the way they're playing and how they have gelled. In a late-game scenario, I think the pressure to Kansas might get to him. Because no no one, I, I will get into the face later, but no one is expecting North Carolina to win this game, in my opinion. I think most people have Kansas. Right, and I, it's been a long time, in my opinion, since a better Kansas team has choked in the NCAA tournament. Last year, I thought USC was better than them. I picked that in my bracket. Two years before, they played a more talented Auburn team. They lost. 2018, they played a more talented team in Villanova, and they lost. It's been since 2017 when they choked. They choked to Oregon. I mean, there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, and that narrative is 100% out there. I mean, it's been a long time since Bill Self has been back at this stage since yeah. 2008. And, I mean, that team was a Mario Chalmers three-pointer away at the buzzer at, at, to lead it going into overtime, and it would have lost, and Bill Self would still be looking at his first uh, – would be looking for his first national championship. So that narrative's out there, but – I don't think that narrative has been as true as of late. I just think his teams haven't been as talented. And now that he's got, a more, in my opinion, a more talented team than North Carolina, and North Carolina's supremely talented with those five guys. Uh, so I, I I think that I would trust Bill Self a little bit more than Hubert Davis. So with that being said, I kind of wrap, wrap up the show in the last six, seven minutes we have. Taking in everything we've considered over the last half hour, um, the bench... Uh, let, let's put away the bench for a little bit. The, the coaching battle. Who would you give the edge to, North Carolina or Kansas? Coaching battle? Yes, coaching battle. Just due to accolades, I guess Bill Self. <laughs> yeah, it's Bill Self. To the to the bench battle between the players. Uh, we, we kind of, kind of talked about it a little bit, how rotations may be Kansas. key. Kansas. Remy Martin, so Kansas, yeah. Yeah, I, I would pretty much agree with, with, <laughs> with both you guys uh, on both those last points. I mean, you get me. I mean, the experience of Bill Self is undeniable. Uh, and, I mean, you just never know how much Hubert Davis, 
I mean, in his first time there, I mean, Grant, he has won a national semifinal, and it really could be a much bigger game hype-wise than this, but mm -hmm. you just really never know how he, he may handle a national championship. In the front court, North Carolina or Kansas? I think it's Kansas specifically because Baycott's nursing the injury. Otherwise, I would have said it'd be North Carolina. I'm, I'm going to say North Carolina. No, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, Baycott's yeah. better than McCormick. No yeah. one's going to argue that. Yeah, and I think his heart will... Adrenaline and heart and... He's got 40 minutes yeah. left in his college basketball career. I, he's got to go all That's got to be his mentality going into this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that I think the front court battle is going to come down to the fours. Because we know the fives can do it. Um, and, and I still think... I still think Baycott's going to have a great performance. Yeah. And I, mean, and I would just pray that that ankle does not become an issue in, in the title game. Because if it does, that changes the whole conversation around the front court battle. Uh, I would still give it to North Carolina. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I think it's because, you know, as good as Jalen Wilson is rebounding, and, and I think that's incredibly undeniable, I think uh, Brady Mannix's stretchability is crucial. And when you have that kind of danger, I mean, that really just forces you to really pay attention to him because he, he can't do it from out there. And he has shown that. And, and R.J. Davis, I mean, he, I mean, he's done good stuff in the re on the boards uh, in the semifinal, too. So, interiorly, I think it's incredibly close, mm -hmm. as I think the backcourt is as well. Uh, but I would but I would give the frontcourt uh, to North Carolina. How about the backcourt between North Carolina and Kansas? Who are you guys favoring there? Um, I guess it's Kansas, but depending on Caleb Webb plays, it definitely can go the other way. Because Ochai Abaji, Ochai Abaji for sure is the better player, but if Caleb has one of those games, I could see North Carolina having a better game in the backcourt. Yeah, but you know how Mr. Stern's okay over here. He has been... Choked just like Kansas had several times. Oh, man. <coughs> uh, but as he's nursing that, I'll just say that I do think it's... I think Ajabi and the NCAA tournament version of Caleb Love kind of cancel each other out, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I think they have both done a fantastic job uh, with what they have been able to do. And so from there, you kind of have to go to that second or third guy down, um, to which I do believe that Kansas has a slight advantage over North Carolina. Uh, incredibly tight. I, and I think the star guards, just because of how Kayla's been playing in this tournament, I and mean, he has been phenomenal in this NCAA tournament. I mean, if it wasn't for what Ronald Baycott's been doing in this tournament, Kayla Love has been the guy for North Carolina. And I, I don't know he still kind of is that guy, with Armando Baycott being 1B or 1A, depending on how you view things. Uh, but I just think Remy Martin's ability to come off the bench and change the game is crucial. And I think for that reason, I think Kansas is my backcourt favorite here. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll rock with Kansas. I rocked with Kansas on all three, but I really think it's that close. And yeah. I know that Dom rocked with North Carolina on, on all three. But, I mean, it's really close. It really is. These teams are so talented, and they're both well-coached. That's why they're here. Yeah, I mean, the seeds are definitely... If you just look at the seeds' perspective, you're being incredibly fooled. Uh, so, overall, uh, the national championship prediction... Where are we going with this? North Carolina wins this late 82-79. Kyle Love's MVP. I'm going to rock with Kansas. Uh, they were my pick entering the tournament, although I do have North Carolina in my fantasy draft, so if they win, I win some money. I do think Kansas is going to win. I think it's going to be a little bit low, lower scoring than some people are projecting. I think it's going to be 72-68. North Carolina's up on top. Yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be right in the middle of that. Uh, I hate to give the exact score. That's, that's like... where Vegas is going. Yeah, Nick, Nick's a sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's kind of like the middle of that. 
Um, but I, I do think that Kansas is going to get the job done. Uh, it's going to be an incredibly close game. Um, if I had to say who a, a Final Four most outstanding player is going to be, um, I think right now we're looking at, at, the, at it to where if it is the backcourt that stands out, it's going to be Ojai Ajabi's award. If we're looking at this as an interior struggle where McCormick and Baycott are going at it, it's going to be McCormick. Uh, just, I mean, McCormick's already got 25 and 9. Like, yeah. you, you got a great start. Uh, for for that for that um, honor, and if Jay and Lizzie get the devil devil, that's gonna make things incredibly difficult um, for for the voters to really try and pick. Cause you can't deny really two devil doubles. Um, but uh, that's where I'm going with there. Should North Carolina win the national championship? Uh, it's the exact same thing. Uh, if it this national championship game is that interior struggle where the centers and the forwards are sh- are really being showcased, it's going to go to Armando Baker. If the backcourt really shines and we really see the sh- three-point shooting come out and stand out, should Caleb get this job done, it's going to be Caleb Love. I think right now for that race between McCormick and Ajabi and Baycon and Love, it's a toss-up right now on both on both teams. Well, yeah, it's going to depend who wins this game. And then they'll give it to one of those players on the one of those sides. Yeah, so, so. so we'll really have to see where that goes uh, from Pat from that perspective. Uh, but that is going to wrap things up for us here on this Sunday night. As a reminder, on Wednesday morning, it's a switch from usual as we'll have our national championship game reaction posted immediately. Our, our students immediately so can't after the national championship game. will be our after party episode. We'll be discussing Thad Mata going to Butler and just adding to the incredible abundance of coaching richness in the Big East Conference and some of our first major discussions on the transfer portal off the season. And it's Wednesday, special day, 8 a.m. on your preferred podcast platform. And of course, on Monday night, we'll have our immediate reaction to the national championship game. For Dom Cantini and Dominic Stern of Nicholas Hodel, leaving you with the song that will be played tomorrow night when there will be a national champion. That is one shining moment. Have a very good week, everyone.